You're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. Today we're going to continue our series, Eyes on Jesus. Uh, some of you guys know my dad. He's six foot eight. He's a really tall guy. So when he walks in the room, everybody kind of looks and notices. And when my sister was younger, after church one Sunday, she went out into the lobby, and the lobby was all packed, and she was trying to find one of her friends and couldn't find him. So she ran over to my dad, put her arms up, and my dad's thinking, oh, my daughter just wants a nice little hug and embrace here. And she just kind of like scanned the crowd, said thanks, jumped back down, and went and found her friend, locked on, and she was off. And last week we talked about how we want to lock eyes on Jesus. Like whatever is in the way of us seeing him clearly, we need to figure that thing out and we need to see him for who he is and go get locked on to him and pursue him. And so last week we got kind of serious. Right off the bat, we talked about those things that get in the way. We talked about the things that become hindrances in our lives to our relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's just the voice of culture in our ear. Maybe it's some kind of distraction that we're struggling with. Maybe it's some kind of pain we've endured that has made our heart callous toward God. Maybe it's the sin that so easily entangles. And so last week we said, all right, enough is enough. Eyes on Jesus. What does it look like to get our eyes on him? What does it look like to look at the issues in our lives and say, enough is enough. I'm going to be near my Savior. I'm going to get my eyes on him, and we're going to walk this thing forward. Today we're going to continue on here, and I just have a few questions for you. Have you ever been hurt by somebody in such a deep way that it really crushes your heart? Or have you gone through something so difficult that it begins to make you weary and almost faint in life? Like, I can't even imagine taking another step right now. Uh, The pain of this is just so difficult or hard. Um, Maybe you've had a problem that you can't help but focus on. Something has happened in your life, and it's all that you can see. It's all that you can feel. It's all that seems like is informing everything else. Every decision you make feels like it's informed by that situation. Every time you try to just relax, unwind, spend time with somebody that's just in a fun way, it's just distracted by that one huge thing. It's like all you can see. It's all you can focus on. We're going to address that today. My kids were watching TV uh, several nights ago, my two younger ones, and Kelly and I were tired, and we went to bed, and some of you guys are like, what horrible parenting? Well, hang on, it'll just happen to you too as your kids get a little bit older. You get to the age, I can't stay up anymore. And so Kelly and I go to bed, and Landon and Brynn are watching TV, and all of a sudden they hear a noise in the garage, and they start to freak out, like someone's in the garage, what's going on? Now what they didn't know is that our garage door has been randomly opening and closing later lately. I don't know if one of our neighbors got a hold of our remote code or something, but somehow it's just opening and closing. And so that's what happened. The door opened, but Landon doesn't know that. Brynn doesn't know that. And so they're all scared. They're wondering what's happening. And so we have like ring video footage of them like walking outside and looking and seeing the doors open. And so then Landon, they they run back inside and um, they're, you know, only focused on the fact. doesn't matter what's on TV anymore, what they were going to do, going to bed. They're not even worried about like what's going on in the garage. Well, my son Landon The desire for chocolate milk overwhelmed any fear of an intruder, and there was a a gallon of milk in the garage that he had to get to, and so he opened the door up, not not sure what he was going to find, ready to fight off any intruder, and he sees a tail go by. 
Okay, so he jumps back. Bryn is videoing all this. We have a historical video of him very scared. But the, the truth was it seemed like a raccoon was in the garage. And so now that's all they can focus on. It's all they can think about. Now, like I, like I said, Kelly and I are asleep. So we wake up the next morning. Landon goes, Kelly says to Landon, um, what were you guys doing? We saw in the ringing video, you guys were like in and out of the garage. He goes, that's a long and complicated story. Right? And so he begins to tell us what happened. And then he tells us that a raccoon was in the garage. Now, of course, I can can only focus on the fact that there's likely an animal in our garage. I didn't go to the bathroom. I didn't shower. I didn't shave. I didn't do anything until I figured out what was going on in the garage. It became the thing, the only thing I could focus on. So I head in there and I'm ready for what's ever coming at me. And I'm looking around. I can't find any evidence of a raccoon. I'm thinking Landon lost his mind until I find this cake box. There was a cake box I was supposed to throw out that had a half a cake in it. And instead of getting it in the garbage, I had put it here, right, just near the garbage and focused on some other things. And the side of that box was all gnawed out, and there was icing all over the floor. So either we had a raccoon or Landon went for the cake and the milk. I'm not sure which it really was. But man, you know what it's like when there's something that is so all-encompassing, it's all you can focus on, right? Some of you guys are saying, Doug, my thing isn't a raccoon. I wish it were a raccoon, man. I've got way worse things going on than that, man. I've got a loved one that's, that's far from me or far from God. Like so many people in this time, it's such a severe financial oppressive, financially oppressive time right now that that feels like all I can look at and all I can see. For some of you guys, you're saying, man, it's the debilitating anxiety that I'm walking through right now. It's the fear of the future. It's the jealousy issue. It's the sin struggle like we looked at a little bit last week. It's the addiction. It's the depression. Like that's what is all encompassing. Everything I think about and do and experience is through that lens. And today I want us to say, how do we get our eyes on Jesus? How do we begin to say, okay, I might still be going through all of that, but I'm not going to only focus on that. I'm not going to let that be the thing that then colors everything else that I see. I'm going to get my eyes on Jesus. And we're going to talk about that here this morning. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe someone invited you to church or shared our stream and you're watching online. And today, I want to just encourage you to get your eyes on Jesus. You might be like, I don't know how to do that. Well, we're going to talk about it. You might say, I don't know why I'd even want to do that. Why should I get my eyes on Jesus? Well, we're going to talk about that here as well today. But I want to tell you that as our eyes are on Jesus, there is a strength when we are weary. There is a grace when we are heartbroken. And there's a God who wants to walk with us through those struggles with our eyes on him. And here's the funny thing is, if you're anything like me, some of the things that you and I are struggling with right now are things we've struggled with before and God has come through. Some of us are focused on something going, I just don't know if God's going to come through. I don't know if God could pull this off. And it's the exact same thing we already walked through and he already came through on. And so for you and I today, I pray that we'll begin to look at those things in a different light and remember the things God's done. So if you're weary, if you're faint, if there's something that has your full attention that isn't Jesus today, or if you don't know what Jesus looks like at all, I pray that we'll discover all those things here today. So we're going to spend our time in a few passages today. And the first one is Hebrews 12. That's where we were the whole time last Sunday. We're going to take a verse that we were in last week, and we're going to jump into the next part of that verse so that we can go ahead and kind of use that as a springboard. I told you last week, there's one part I wanted to leave for this week. So Hebrews 12 verse 3 says this, consider him. Well, let's just stop right there. Consider who? Well, if you remember last Sunday, it was the whole passage was saying, get your eyes on Jesus. So he's, that's, the, that's the theme here still. Consider him. Consider Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. Well, why would I want to do that? Consider him. Look at Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. Who endured 
such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So I love the fact that if my eyes are on Jesus, my eyes are on somebody who has endured horrible things and didn't grow weary or lose heart. Like if my eyes are on him, I'm looking at Jesus, my savior, who has gone through it all, who has been through it all, and I say this from the stage all the time, he understands what you and I walk through very, very clearly because he walked through it himself. So when my eyes are on him, I'm seeing someone who is going to inspire me and empower me and enable me to continue to keep going. Everybody say antologia. All right, antologia is the Greek word here for opposition. He endured opposition from sinful men. And that opposition doesn't just mean opposition. There's also this idea of rebellion in there. So he endured straight up rebellion, yet he didn't lose heart and he didn't grow faint. He kept going. And today that's what some of us need. We need to get our eyes on Jesus so we just keep going. I think sometimes I don't consider him. When I'm going through hardship, man, I, I just am focused on that thing, right? Um, my heart is broken, and that's all I can see or feel. And I'll tell you what, I think in 2022, man, we are such a emotionally feely people, aren't we, right? And sometimes it's like all I can do is focus on that pain or that heartache. My eyes are on other things. Sometimes I struggle to focus on God coming through on something he's already done in the past, so why, not, why would I not trust him in this moment? Sometimes all I can see is the bad. My kids had never been to Disney World. I hadn't been since I was a kid. And so a family in our church actually incredibly kindly surprised us with a trip to Disney back in February. And so we went and it was incredible. It was so awesome. And we're standing under the Epcot ball, right? A lot of you guys know the Epcot ball. When I was a kid, when I was there last, it was just silver and, and, and now it glows all. It's got like 5,000 something probably LEDs in this thing and it makes all these crazy designs and everything. We're standing under the Epcot ball and it's making all these shapes and, and beautiful colors and my sons and I noticed something. We noticed that there's one LED light not working. Out of the 5,000 whatever are on this thing, we start to talk, well, what's going on with it? And we, we know a little bit about lighting. All three of us have been lighting guys here at the church, so that qualifies us to talk about such things. And so as we're sitting there looking at the LED lights, we realized that the blue part of it wasn't working. And so it wasn't lighting up, so it was lighting up green or orange instead of blue, like it should have. And so we're talking about this, and all of a sudden I start to hear a few guys back, there's, there's, there's a father and son having the same conversation. There's this nine-year-old talking about the LEDs, going, Dad, there's an error on the LED. Why is there an error. There shouldn't be an error of the LED, dad. And it's all he can focus on. And then the thought hits me. We are in Disney World under the Epcot ball, under a glowing sphere, and all we can see is the one LED light that doesn't work. I think sometimes that's easy in life, isn't it? To just see the one thing. Now listen, some of you guys are like, Doug, my thing isn't an LED light. I lost somebody. Somebody betrayed me. Somebody rebelled against me. Somebody sinfully opposed me. My heart's broken. I'm betrayed. I will never trust again. I can't ever imagine seeing past this again. I wake up every morning, and the first thing on my mind is that incredibly painful issue, or it's that struggle, or it's that failure in my life, right? It's not an LED. I wish it were, but it's not. And yet, at the same time, here is a God saying, but I want to walk with you through whatever that thing is for you. I want to be here with your eyes fixed on me because I get it. I have walked in your shoes and I did not quit. I did not grow weary or faint, though I endured sinful opposition. 
the most sinful opposition there ever was, as I was hung on a cross, as I was crucified, right? Jesus could say, I did not grow weary or faint. I continued on. Consider him. So let me ask you this. Are your eyes on that all-encompassing thing, or are they on Jesus? I'm not saying we aren't real about the all-encompassing thing. I'm not saying we forget the LED light that's out. I'm just saying bring it to him. Bring it to him. Are your eyes on him? Are you carrying it to him? Because he is going to be the one that gives you the grace and the strength to keep on going. He's the one that will reveal to you and I all of the miracles that are around us when all we can see is the one bad thing. Last week, I was sitting in my backyard at night. The trees are swaying. It's a really breezy night. I love that. I love watching the trees bend but not break, and I'm watching them, and this thought just hits me. Doug, there are 10,000 miracles all around you. Like every leaf on every tree is a miracle created by God and sustained by every word of God, right? So here is this amazing display of the presence of God and the power of God, these 10,000 miracles around me, and all sometimes I can focus on is that one thing. And so where are your eyes today? Where are your eyes as opposition from sinful people come, as uh, hard things happen in life and we become wounded by people, or maybe just that one thing that's just so big right now? My eyes have to be on Jesus, consider him, look at him. Some of you guys today are wondering what we do with those situations in the past that God came through on, but here we are again, right? Like, you ever get tired of that? It's like, all right, didn't I already learn this lesson, God? Didn't I learn to trust you through this, God? We're really here again, and I want us to see ourselves in a story. We haven't looked at this story in depth in about seven years, okay? And the reason I know that is because as I pray week to week, God, what do you want me to speak about? What do you want the people to hear? What, what, do they, what do they need? You know, we don't just sit at staff meetings saying, okay, we'll talk about tithing this month and relationships next month. It's like, oh, God, what is your heart for your people at this time? And as God begins to kind of give me some direction, I'll think about a passage. And I thought about this passage, and I, I, I wanted to say, okay, I want to make sure we didn't look at this too recently. So I look back. The last time was seven years ago, and that's going to matter in a few minutes, all right? In a few minutes, we're going to see something that God did in our past that should greatly encourage us today. But seven years ago, we looked at this passage, and it talks about how there was a time Jesus took five loaves of bread and some fish and, and he multiplied it to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. And then soon after that, he did it for 4,000 men plus women and children. And you would think that the disciples at this point would have said, okay, God, we learned that lesson about the bread. You can provide bread. You are a bread provider. You do not have a bread issue. But they find themselves in a new situation and they're doubting for bread. Guys, that is so us sometimes. There are things we have seen God do and yet we still go, Lord, where are you? God, are you going to be able to pull this one off? How are you going to come through on this? That's where our eyes are sometimes instead of on Jesus. So let's look at it. Matthew 16, 5. It says, when they, when the disciples and Jesus, when they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus is using an illustration right here. He brings up yeast not to talk about bread, but to talk about the false teachings of the Pharisees and that the disciples had to guard their hearts and not fall prey, Right? But the disciples missed this. It's not about the bread. Everybody say, it's not about the bread. All right, now bread's really Italian thing. Everybody take your hands like this and say, it's not about the bread. All right, good job, good job. That was wonderful. They discussed this among themselves and said, it is because we didn't bring bread, right? That's why he brought up the yeast, right? He didn't, we didn't bring bread. Oh, no, we didn't bring the bread. The funny thing is, before we're too hard on Peter and James and John, this, this is something that we all wrestle with, isn't it? God's already come through in this way. 
But what about the bread? What's God going to do? How's he going to come through? Well, I don't know. But have we ever seen him do this before? Oh, yeah, I guess we have, but I'm still going to stress about it, right? I'm still going to worry about it. And what's so funny is, what's harder to do? Feed 5,000 men plus women and children with a few loaves and fish and multiply it all out, and then do that for 4,000, and then women and children and multiply it all out, or feed 13 guys in a boat? Obviously, the thousands is a little trickier than the thirteen. And yet here are the 12 sitting with Jesus, which makes them 13 going, oh no, oh no, no, oh no, what are we going to do? Is he upset we didn't bring any bread? Jesus doesn't have a bread issue. Goes on. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asks, you have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? And he brings them back. Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? There was extra. I didn't just feed them. They weren't fighting for crumbs. There was basketfuls of extra. Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered. How is it you don't understand I was not talking to you about bread? And I love that Jesus is having a moment here, isn't he? Now, he doesn't sin, so it's not a sinful moment. He's got a holy, righteous frustration with these guys who have seen him do so much, and yet they're still struggling. Guys, that is me sometimes. That's all of us sometimes, isn't it? And here today, I just think Jesus wants us to get our eyes focused. I think God sometimes is like, going, Jansen, really? You're going to doubt me now? What's harder, Doug, to raise you up from the brink of death or get you past this little bump in the road? Because I did that. I can handle this. And I just wonder what would happen if our eyes were on Jesus through it, the one who can relate to what we've been through, the one who endured sinful opposition like we do sometimes, the one who had every right to get lost in a natural sense in the enormity of the cross and yet kept his eyes on eternity, right? And so I think we learned from Jesus some pretty powerful things here. But let's talk about seven years ago when we were, where we were and what was going on when we last looked at this passage. So I looked at the passage to make sure I wasn't going to bring up a, a scripture we had just recently talked about. And as I looked at that message from seven years ago, I found something pretty crazy. And I wanted to share it with you today. This is what I said in that message seven years ago. I said, we, I was talking about our church, we have to wait. And watch, eyes on Jesus, right? We have to wait and watch God bring resources to us. Now, why would I say that seven years ago? Well, this is what I said next. This is what we're doing with the church building situation right now. For those of you guys that don't know, I said we need a new building. This is me talking on the stage at the building on 347. We had a little half acre, tiny little church. We used to park out on the street. We'd have about 40 cars per service out on the street on the side of 347. You took your life in your hands coming to Living Word Church on a Sunday back in the day. Some of us who really loved Jesus and trusted him would park on the other side and run across and jump over the median. Not joking. <laughs> but there we were. And here I am seven years ago talking about, oh, man, they're going to take our parking away. They're taking our street parking away, everybody. And I'm so thankful that they built that bike path for the tens of thousands of people that have used it over, or I've just seen one person ever. That's right, one person ever, but that was great. I really think that whole project was just to get us to get out of that building so that we could grow into what God had for us. But I said, for those of you who don't know, we need a new building, mainly because the construction will take our street parking away. We're doing what we know to do. We are saving, raising money, and trying to be wise with what we have. Listen to this. But ultimately, we are saying, God, we need some fish and bread multiplied here. And he took a half acre and he multiplied it into five right up the street. And he took our tiny little savings account 
and he multiplied it into what it is today that we could build up the street. And I just amaze myself with my own belief sometimes. I wish I amazed myself with better qualities. But man, I sometimes amaze myself going, oh man, but what now? The architect said we need this and we've got to raise that much and what's going to happen with the permitting and what about the neighbors? And man, eyes on Jesus. We've seen him do it before. We've seen him come through before. And it's not just about him providing for our, our church because you know our church is made up of us people, right? Us individual lives. It's a church family. It's a bunch of people who come together. It's not even the school building. It's not that property or that building up the street or the old one we used to have. It's all of us collectively who come together to make up this church family. And God is faithful to carry our church and each individual member. And so where are your eyes today? Are they on Jesus? Are they on the all-encompassing pain? Are they on the all-encompassing struggle? Are they on the all-encompassing disappointment? Or have we said, no, 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 no. Eyes on Jesus. I'm not going to think about a stupid LED light when I'm surrounded with Disney World. I'm going to look at the 10,000 miracles that are all around me and recognize that there's a present God who loves me and wants to walk with me through this. There's one more quick passage I want to get to today. And I, I really want to talk to you here today. And I think there's more of us in the room that fall into this category than we might realize or watching online. And that's those of us who have seen Jesus, but we haven't seen Jesus. We've seen Jesus, but we haven't seen him yet. We haven't truly gotten our eyes on who Jesus is. We know what it is to be religious. We know what it is to go to church. We know what it is maybe even to read our Bible and pray, but we haven't seen Jesus yet. I want us to see something powerful from this story. Maybe you're here today saying, why would I look at Jesus? Why should I put all this trust in him? Well, let's discover why. Would you read with me quickly in John 9 verse 1? It says, now as Jesus was passing by, he saw a blind man from birth. He spit on the ground, it says in verse 6, made some mud and applied it to the man's eyes. <clears throat> then he told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which meant scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. He's been blind from birth, and one of the first things he gets to see is Jesus. How cool is that? So he's laid eyes on Jesus. He's seen Jesus physically, but he hasn't seen him spiritually yet. He's seen Jesus, but he hasn't seen him. I just wonder who that's true of here today. Because I think God wants you to really see him today. My prayer for this message today is that you'd see Jesus like this man's about to. And so Jesus then, and Jesus and this man then part ways and, and the blind man, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice as I go. Hey, we're preaching today. I guess we're going for it. All right, I'm just gonna give it all I got. I gotta lose my voice. That's all right, I don't have to preach tonight. I can play volleyball with no voice, so that'll be fun. But Jesus and this man then part ways and as Jesus, uh, as this man encounters people, they're like, wait, wait, that's not the blind guy, is it? That's not the guy who used to be blind. I can't be the guy who used to be blind. How is he not blind anymore? And, and I sound like that kid, like, well, there's an error. No, but, but how is he not blind anymore? And, uh, it, because, and then he starts to say, well, this, this guy, I don't know, man, he just touched me. And then I went to this place and he told me to go. Now, listen, it wasn't the pool that, that he washed in that made him see, but that was an act of faith as a part of the miracle, right? Jesus just told other people, see, right? And they saw. He didn't need a pool. Okay? But that was a step of faith. Go and do this. So the man went and did it and came back seeing. And so now the, this guy's parents are brought in. Is it, was he really blind from birth? This is the same guy. Yeah, this is our son. Well, how did this happen? Well, he's old enough. You ask him yourself. And so then the religious leaders get involved and they start to question the man. And they go back and forth. And then eventually, listen, they kick the man out. And Jesus hears about this goes, nah. -uh. Luke 9, 35. When Jesus heard they had thrown him out, he found the man and said, 
Do you believe in the Son of Man? He's talking about himself. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? I love this. Listen, talk about eyes on Jesus. Tell me so I may believe in him. So this guy's going, all right, I'm in. I, I, my life's been changed, but who do I have to put my faith in? Maybe that's you today. Man, I'd, I'd love for my life to be changed. Who do I put my faith in? I'd love for some hope. I'd love to have my eyes on somebody that can help me, that's, that can give me grace and hope in a time when I've lost my step and where all I can see is this one huge thing. It goes on. Jesus says, you've already seen him. Jesus answered, he's the one speaking with you. So Jesus is like, oh, you've seen me. You just haven't seen me yet. I'm telling you, there's some people here today I think that might be true of. I've seen him. I grew up going to, you know, some religious institution. I've seen pictures of Jesus. He looks like, he looks like sad all the time, right? Or he's hanging on a cross, right? Oh, that's not Jesus. See, some of us think, oh, man, I, I had an experience with God and it just went bad. Well, maybe you just you haven't really seen him. Maybe your experience would be with a person, a, a religious person, a church person, man, who gave you just the worst view of who God actually is. See, today I want you to see him. Lord, I believe, he said, and he worshiped Jesus. Physical eyes on Jesus, spiritual eyes on Jesus. Spiritual eyes opened up to who? Our Savior is, my, my prayer today is for you, that you would recognize this Savior who, yes, hung on a cross for you, but he did not stay there. He died and he rose again. And he's in heaven today and his heart is for you. His heart is that you know him. His heart is that you walk with him, that you get your eyes on him, that he would set you free from the sin and the guilt and the stuff that you carry and that you, you continue to walk with. Man, maybe there's some younger people here in the room today. You grew up coming to church or another church or this church or you could you almost quote every verse in the, you know, the famous verses of the Bible, but man, that your eyes would be open to who he is, that you'd see him for who he is. You know, my parents tell me, when I was four years old, I put my trust in Jesus. I don't remember that. I remember later in life when I saw Jesus, you know? I think a lot of us would say that. I think a lot of us, maybe who've gotten baptized in this last season, would say, I grew up, I saw Jesus, but then I saw Jesus. It became real to me. It wasn't my parents' faith. It wasn't just... My mentor's faith, it wasn't my pastor's faith, it became mine. My prayer today is that God would just be doing miracles in the room and online, opening our eyes to see Jesus for ourselves. Eyes on Jesus, not how weary I am. Listen, you might be really weary, but do not focus your eyes there. Not how faint I feel, not how hurt I am, not how overwhelming this situation is. No, bring all that to him, but eyes on Jesus. He wants you to be real with him. I hope you're catching that today. I'm not saying we gloss over stuff or we make stuff look smaller than it really is. He just really wants your eyes on him so he can carry all that heavy stuff as you go. Eyes on Jesus. What are your eyes on today? Are you standing under the Epcot ball focused on the one bad thing? Are you sitting in the yard with the Miracles on the trees, blowing in the wind, focused on what you don't have. And again, I'm not belittling what you've lost, how sad you might be, how hurt you might be. I just want to say, get your eyes on Jesus. And I want to give you hope today because some of you have said, I will never see clearly again. I will never see clearly again. All I'm ever going to see is through the lens of this pain and this loss. So if I could be very real with you, November 2020, I was a mess. 
I was an emotional mess. I was so sad after all that had happened in 2020. The people we lost, how hard it was to lead during that time, it was straight up impossible. I was crushed in a lot of ways. And there were times I would talk with Kelly and I would just say, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I know how to keep doing this. We would pray together. We lift our eyes to Jesus. And there were things I blamed myself for. And one day, somebody reached out and said, that thing you blame yourself for is not your fault. That thing I blamed myself for is all I could see. I couldn't see anything past it. Somebody else then reached out who didn't know what I was going through from the other side of the country and said, Doug, there are things that you've got to let go of. There are things that you've got to just clear the deck. They've got to get off, off your path and out of your view. And from that moment forward, I was a very different person. I saw past it. God gave me sight past it with my eyes on him and not those things that we lost and not those things that we went through and not those things we couldn't change. And today, some of you guys are right there, man, and, and, and you've lost hope you will ever see again. You will ever have strength for another step again beyond what you're seeing right now. And I just want to say, here I am, living proof, imperfect, still in process, but living proof, you will see past it. If you have your eyes on Jesus, and if you let him show you that he's with you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, are you seeing him today? Are you seeing somebody who is not over you dominating, angry, mean. We're going to talk more about that next week. But someone who is saying, can I just walk with you? Can you get your eyes on me? Because I've got hope ahead for you. I've got vision ahead for you. I've got life ahead for you. Are you seeing somebody who died to forgive your sins? Are you seeing somebody who endured pain from sinful man, rebellion from sinful man, that you would be free? Eyes on Jesus. Not your disappointment, not your pain, not your lack, not what you don't have, not that huge thing. Eyes on him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, God, that you rescued me from where I was. And I know that you have that for every single person that's hearing my voice, God. And I know it's all wrapped up in you. I know, Jesus, it's wrapped up in who you are, your grace. God, I am so thankful that you're the type of Savior that came to walk in our place. I'm so thankful that you're the kind of Savior that we can look to who didn't give up. You're the leader, Jesus, that we can look at who kept going, even though you endured the worst of what humanity had to throw at you. So Jesus, today we fix our eyes on you. We consider you. And Jesus... We are not going to stress about bread today because you don't have a bread problem. You don't have an issue carrying us through the things that are way bigger than us. You don't have an issue coming through again in ways you've come through in the past, Lord. And Jesus, my prayer today is that eyes would be open. People who have seen Jesus but they haven't really seen Jesus yet, God, today would be the day they really see you for who you are. So if you want to put your trust in him, I'd ask you to do that with me in just a minute. If you already know him, I want you to bring to him those things your eyes have been fixed on. I want to 
ask you to ask him to help you see past this, that all-encompassing thing, that thing that you see everything else through, that thing that taints and destroys every relationship, every opportunity, every moment of joy, that thing just sucks the life out of the room. Say, Jesus, help me see past this. Give me a vision for the other side of this. Let me see clearly again. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I encourage you to pray something like this. Just just quietly right now. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for wanting to walk through life with me. Thank you that you want my eyes on you. And that you're a good God. A good Savior. The one who didn't grow weary or lose heart. Thank you for rescuing me. Jesus, help me to see you for who you are. Help me to see you for who you are.